Let's pray. Heavenly Father, here in you we find shelter, inspiration, hope, forgiveness, mercy, grace, love so deep. As your water washed over the little baby in our first service, your love is washing over us today, baptizing us again with your spirit and sending us forth to share your love with the world. Bless us now as we worship, as we grow, as we learn, as we know of your love through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We've come to the end of uh, Paul's series that we've been exploring these last weeks. Hope you've enjoyed getting closer to Paul. I think it cannot be emphasized enough how significant Paul is for taking the life, the death and resurrection of Jesus and making it something that the whole world could understand, the whole world could, could be included in. Had it not been for Paul, um, it's very possible that, that Christianity would have remained a, a, a group, a small group of people, Jewish people following Jesus in Jerusalem, maybe a, a few outlying areas. And, and in 70 AD, when Rome destroyed Jerusalem, that probably would have been the end of the whole thing. But thanks to Paul, the message got out. Thanks to the Holy Spirit in him and others, the message got out. And here we are today, still blessed by it. Acts chapter 28. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing in Jerusalem against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and I and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with his chain. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear your views. For we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from the morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed in this, his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. A few years ago, you gave me a sabbatical, and one of the things I wanted to do was to go to India 
and, and be with the students who are training to share the good news of Jesus throughout India. And so I had an opportunity, thanks to you and your support, to, to fly to India and spend uh, two weeks there. Uh, it was a great experience. It started off a little uh, in a rocky way, I guess you'd say. I went to the, to the airport to fly to Hyderabad, uh, which was my destination. And uh, as I was waiting, the dreaded announcement came over the loudspeaker uh, that the flight was oversold. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. But they said, but we have a voucher if you'd like to be on a flight that we can book and get you to the same place around the same time. I jumped up. I'm on my own. I got a bag on my back. I can do this. So I got the voucher, and they sent me down. Just a few gates down, instead of flying to Hyderabad first, I was going to fly to Mumbai. That's great. India's a small place. It's got to be close to each other, right? They said, we'll get your arrangements made to Hyderabad, and you'll be just fine. So I went and might have stopped by the lounge and had a drink. I don't remember, but I, I sat down, relaxed, and then announcement came over that gate's system. This flight has been canceled. So now I have this nice voucher and no way to get to India. As everyone ran to the customer service, I ran back to my previous gate. And this poor, unfortunate gate attendant had not quite shut her computer down. I begged her. I said, you just put me on a flight that's been canceled. But I see there's a flight to another nearby place in India, Kolkata, and it's leaving right now. Do you think you can get me on that flight? She said, Mr. Hagen, it's, the gate's ready to close. I said, that's why we have to hurry. She hand-wrote me a boarding pass and pushed me past a stewardess into the plane and said, I don't know where your bags will be, and I don't know where your collecting flight is, but when you get to Kolkata, you can ask someone there. <laughs> After you've slept the whole night in the Kolkata airport, of course. Next day, I woke up after clutching my bags all night long. Five lines later, and a lot of confusion, I didn't have my bag, but I did have a connecting flight to Hyderabad. I got off the plane in Hyderabad an hour before my ride was going to get me. Now, that was pretty cool, but nowhere near as cool of a mission adventure as Paul had in his trips. Paul's adventures were more dramatic, and I dare say he sacrificed a lot more than my little evening in Calcutta Airport. As Paul says himself in 1 Corinthians, I've worked hard, I've been put in prison more often, whipped times without number, faced death, death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys, faced danger from rivers, from robbers, from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles, from cities, deserts, danger on the seas, danger for people who claim to believers but were not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Wow. What Paul did to share the love of Christ. It continued to awe us and inspire us for many years to come. I think his work paid off from, from 11 people that made it through that whole escapade. We have 2.3 billion Christians on earth today. Pretty good work, Paul. Pretty good work.
I thought it might be interesting to see the expansion of Christianity from here. What happened next? Because that's the end of the book of Acts. What happened next? And some of us know our history, and some of us really don't know much about it. But I want to show you a quick video, and then I want to uh, run you through six stages of the expansion of Christianity and what we can learn from them. So here's the video. I hope you enjoy it. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome to see what God has done through the power of the Holy Spirit since Paul signed off there in Rome. Let me go through uh, six stages, as I said. The first is called the first wave. And it's appropriate because waves go upon the shore, right? And that's where you see Christianity first grow, the shores of the Mediterranean. The highways in those days was the water. And you know from Paul's stories that he spent time, many time on ships. So it's not surprising that Paul got to many places that we know today of as coastal areas around the Mediterranean to share the good news. What's interesting about this is that Paul wasn't always the first to arrive with the good news. Even though his ministry took place very early in the development of Christianity, 20 to 25 years after Jesus' resurrection. Christianity, he found in many places, was already thriving. How did that happen? Well, who uses ships to get around but merchants? Merchants and traders who took things from Jerusalem to all sorts of places to trade them. They had heard the preaching in Jerusalem. They had heard about this Jesus, and they felt compelled to go around and share his name. It may be a testimony to just how unhopeful and unhelpful religion was in that pagan era, that when someone heard the good news of Jesus Christ, even though they were far away from the land of his birth, they came to accept it and believe it. And so that first wave is just a fascinating uh, experience of how God takes not necessarily just the Pauls and the Peters, not just the pastors and the priests and the missionaries, but businessmen and women, which I think we might want to look at today and say, Who's got a better chance of talking about Jesus in your office, you or me? I think you know the answer. You do. The message, the love of Christ was spread first by everyday people who were touched by it. And they knew how to speak the language, and they knew how not to be pushy and not push buttons. They knew how to share it. You know the easy way you can share it tomorrow? I heard this great sermon yesterday, right? Yeah. Or a great song. Or, you know, just have to say, I saw some friends that I haven't seen in a while. You should come with me sometime. This chili cook-off, a lot of fun. The odds are better for Christianity to be spread where you go than me following behind you. But if you need me or any of the rest of us, we'll be there. The first wave was a wave credited to Paul and Peter, but really should be credited to the first believers. The next step, the next stage in God's plan to get uh, the, the word of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth is where we ended Paul today. Paul has made it to Rome. As far as he was concerned, that was the end of the earth. But they've said, you can see from the purple, it's spread beyond the ports 
And how is that? Well, the Romans are often seen as the enemy of early Christianity. And indeed, we have evidence for that. Pontius Pilate signed his death warrant. Soldiers brutally crucified him. And the early Christians felt persecution from the Romans all the time. But Rome did something maybe it didn't intend to be so helpful to Christianity. It built roads. Great roads. Roads that allowed people who wanted to share the good news to travel safely and quickly all year long. Seems like a funny thing. Did Rome know what it was doing to itself when it built these roads for its armies to be able to conquer only to find onward Christian soldiers marching down those roads to share the love of Christ? One of the key moments um, was not just the roads but also a few very important people. Helen may not be a person in history that you know well. Helen is the mother of the Emperor Constantine. Helen was a Christian. Helen shared her faith with her son, but her son was resistant. When he became emperor, he, he decided to, to maintain the, the antipathy between Christians and the rest of Romans. But she said to him, you have a battle coming up. I think it might be wise for you to know something about God. And the night before the battle, he had a vision. It was of a cross. And underneath the cross it said, by this sign, you will conquer. When Constantine won this critical battle, he committed his life to Christ. He was baptized. And although he didn't immediately make Christianity uh, the religion of Rome, he allowed it to be practiced. Fifty years later, a successor of his would make the whole Roman Empire open to Christianity. And so the roads of Rome and even the emperors of Rome were used by God to get the message out. What are the roads today? You heard of this thing called the Internet Highway? God has given us the most incredible opportunity to share our faith. And some of you do that so well on social media. I want to commend you. You know you're making a difference. When you post something positive about your faith, something encouraging, when you reach out to a friend with a text, the highway is right there for us. We have an unparalleled opportunity to reach out to anybody, anywhere in the world, at any time. Are you using the highway? Are you sharing the love that way? I have yet to hear of anyone, believer or not, that said no when you said, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? The roads of Rome are there, internet highway for us today. Now, it wasn't always easy for the Christians. There were times where ground was lost. And the most notable was when um, in 1610, uh, an orphaned man named Muhammad came out of the Arab desert with a 
conviction that angel Gabriel had spoken to him, and he had this book with him called the Quran. Muhammad's timing could not have been better because the Arab tribes were starting to unite, and after a long history of them being fighting with each other, they decided to unite and conquer other lands. When the Arab generals went, Islam followed. Islam followed. And all of a sudden, you notice the north of Africa now? Purple no more. Notice the Middle East? Purple no more. Areas that once had been Christianized reverted back. Even there, the north of Africa, you can see uh, Spain. Half to three-quarters of Spain was under Muslim rule for over 700 years. Now, we have lots of feelings about Islam. I shared some things at the first service. I got varied results, as you can imagine. For some, they're just plain evil, end of story. For others, there's a sense of tolerance or at least the understanding that we should all get to believe what we want to believe. There's no question Islam has had its violent phases. Some right now. We look at all religions, not to make excuses for them, but we do have to look at things like the Crusades for ourselves. Truth of the matter is, people are imperfect. And religions run by people can be imperfect. But one thing interesting I found in looking at this time frame happened in Spain. And I urge you to look it up because it's so fascinating. And it might even some time be a template for how we might get along in this crazy world because for a time in Spain as a minority of Muslims occupied the country, they had a very tolerant policy of all the other religions. And so Christianity continued to be practiced freely during that time. We hear about Sharia law, but each situation deserves very close study. I've been told many times that Dearborn, Michigan is under Sharia law, and I have to assure you, it is not. <laughs> but it is something for us to learn more about. We lost ground. Why is that? Well, we are on the wrong side, the wrong side of, of military might for that time period. But people remained faithful. People kept their churches going. And while they were pushed on the west and on the south by the Muslim invasions, guess what they did? They went north and they went east in places like Ireland, Scandinavia, Germany, the barbarians lived, became Christianized at that very time. And I dare say most of us owe our Christian heritage in that sense to the fact that when one door was closed, missionaries went in another direction. The next phase that we can look at is the Christian resurgence. You can see Spain has now been Christianized again. And you can see the north ports of Europe have been converted. This is that time of faithfulness where they held on until the opportunity was there again. I think sometimes we have someone in our life where we feel they've closed the door on faith to us. Might be a child, might be a spouse, might be a parent, or a coworker. It happens. Sometimes it happens that the door is closed to sharing the faith as it was for this era in Christian history. 
But if we remain faithful and we keep our eyes open, who knows when the door might open again? Who knows when it might be an opportunity to share? You want to be ready. In the meantime, pray and pray. One hopeful and wonderful thing that I've found out is that things happen even when I'm not there. You know, I think I'm all important and central to all this, but what an amazing thing that things happen when I'm not there. After our trip to, to India and my opportunity to um, teach and be with uh, young ministers who are going to share the faith, I wanted to go back. But the people who are part of that organization said, I don't think it's a good time. The current uh, president of India is very, very Hindu uh, orthodox. doesn't really want pastors from the U.S. coming. I was kind of heartbroken. The door is closed. I was talking to some people about that, and they said, don't you worry, because the people there are doing the work. The, the young men and women that you met, they're still preaching, and they're still teaching, they're still doing God's work. It's not all up to one of us. Sometimes it's how God works. And so now, we don't even know how it's spreading in India. But we know the resistance is stronger, which probably means that it's growing. We don't know how many Christians are quietly worshiping in China today. But we might be surprised. We might be surprised. God continued to expand, and God found a way to expand to whole new worlds through the exploring age. People like Christopher Columbus, who, who came looking for wealth and a passage to India, brought along with them some priests, because after all, even sailors need to have communion, right? Those priests began to minister to the natives. And, and there have been certainly some bad raps about some of the activities of missionaries in the New World. We have to admit, the, the idea of, of baptizing a whole village of, of Native Americans when they have no idea what you're doing is, is rather silly, and, and worse was done than that. But one thing also was true. While Europe was struggling to understand who these Native Americans were, wondering if they were even human. The Roman Catholic Church, very early on, on the advice of its own missionaries, said they are human beings with a soul. Human beings with a soul. It sounds amazing to us, doesn't it? Surprising to us that we might have thought otherwise. And so the missionaries arrived. Growing up in Michigan, we always heard about Father Marquette, and I, I loved the image as a kid of Father Marquette with a canoe, canoeing down the rivers to share with the Indians. Whatever means necessary, right? Whatever means necessary. One thing great about Christianity is that we have continued to be adaptable and flexible. Some of you may not think if you grew up in a, a, a church that was very strict, but, but think about it now. I mean, look what we do here. We're adaptable. 
we know the most important thing is to share the love of God. And, and if we do it now with uh, drums and guitar, that's fine. The adaptability of Christianity is probably its key success in the new world. Islam isn't adaptable. If you want to look for something negative to say about Islam, there is one way or the highway in Islam. But Christianity finds all sorts of ways in all sorts of languages and styles and methods to reach people with the love of Christ. And if we can't speak it, we do it even better. We live it and we love. I think it's fun to see on this map that, that Christianity didn't come to Plymouth Rock first. We always think that. I know I was raised to think that's where Christianity started on Plymouth Rock. Look at South America. And look at, I think we can all be very proud here, Florida. Florida is truly a purple state. In this picture. Christian colonization, people took their faith and their pastors with them. And we have the great images of the frontier preachers who had two or three churches to go to and they rode around on horses or great revivals that took place. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, even if the warches have to go all the way to Idaho to share the good news, we'll do it. Way to go, Idaho. God was moving in people's hearts. They wanted to share the good news. To be honest, a lot of it happened through the traditional methods, boats and babies. But there was also a lot of three-corner evangelism that made this country a country that today has a vast plurality of Christians. I don't think we want to rest on our laurels. We, we know that succeeding generations um, could lose a sense of their faith. And we're seeing some statistics that are showing us that that may sadly be the case. One thing that I hear a lot and I absolutely understand is when people say, you know, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And I don't look that as negative, even though my business is religion. If someone's in touch with their spirituality, at some point in time, they're going to say, how do I grow it? How do I develop it? How do I share it? And we say, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. If you have a sense of that there's more to this world than, than around you, if you think there's, there's something after we end our time on earth, if you think there's a reason to exist besides for yourself, then you're in the right place because we take those impulses, we take those um, Matters of faith that have been given to your heart, and we channel them. We channel them. Sending people to, to end human trafficking, to feed those who are hungry, to start new churches and new ministries, to take care of our seniors and to educate our children. We take that spirituality that people affirm that they still possess, and we find channels for it. That's all religion is. Channels. Or the spirit that God has given. We like to think we do that in a special way here. And so Christianity to the ends of the earth. Here we are. The red portions indicate where Christianity has reached 
to this day and maintained a presence. The, the green areas for Islam. As we know, there uh, has been growth. There are 1.8 billion Muslims. People talk about it continuing to grow. It's not growing through conversion, friends. There's one reason Islam's growing. They have more children than Christians. So get busy. Get busy. Make a difference for this world and have more kids. Very exciting story. Beginning there with a, a, a peasant, a son of a carpenter in Jerusalem. The message of his life, death, and resurrection have reached the ends of the earth all over. And there seems to be no sign of stopping. If we are waning right now in the U.S., you can be assured it's growing elsewhere. And maybe someday you'll see a missionary from Uganda come here to preach about this man named Jesus Christ. That'll be all right if that's the way God wants to do it. How do you participate in that? There's so many ways. Take the super internet highway and reach out to someone. Don't let the obstacles get you back, but let those times where the doors close be a time of prayer and preparation for when it opens again. Whatever means God gives you, God gives us. It's clear he continues through the power of the Holy Spirit, wants us to share his love with the world. Amen.